All right. That video just gets me going. You have to watch it every week. <laughs> it's lighthearted, gets you going. But yeah, we are better together. That's the series that we are in. We are better together as the body of Christ. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about that. And last week, Pastor John and Randy, they were in Washington, D.C. And they were in George Washington's church there. And you can see they have these little booths there. I call them booths or little areas that they sit. And they used to go in them, if I'm correct, right? And they'd have, in the winter, a family or two families would sit in one of those booths facing each other. And they have a pile of hot rocks in between them to keep themselves warm. I thought, what a wonderful example of being better together in the church. Being in that little there and worshiping together as a family. And so... Um, as I looked at that, I, I began to think even just throughout history of the idea of being better together. And one of the ideas behind being better together is that, you know what? Sometimes there are people who don't get credit, or you may not notice, and yet they're big contributors to things that happen in the world. They're still a part of the team. Not everyone is out front. And we think of George Washington and all these monuments with Lincoln, and you go around and visit those, and yet in our history there are men and women who sacrificed, who had a huge role, and were pivotal in our history and in our wars and in our independence that we often don't know about. And uh, author James Fenimore Cooper, uh, who was an author after uh, our war for independence, he wrote a book called The Spy. And people began to wonder, uh, you know, is this based on a real character? Because the book of the, the spy was about an American who was actually working for the British and was a spy for the Americans. But all the Americans thought he was a traitor and treated him as such. And he put his life on the line. And yet, could he ever stand up and say, hey, I get credit for giving that information that turned that battle or gave us, gave Washington just the advantage he needed? No. There were those who did that and served throughout our history, unsung heroes that made all the difference. And uh, the same is true in the history of the church and even in the local church. And continuing on our theme, you know, of just thinking about Washington, well, then you would have to think of the Washington Nationals this week won the World Series, right? And just last year, last summer, all the talk going into the baseball season was who these two players would sign with. And one of them was Bryce Harper. He left the Washington Nationals and signed a $330 million contract. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And yet he signed it with the Philadelphia Phillies, and then his team went on to win the World Series without him. <laughs> and uh, they pulled up some guys who are becoming superstars. But um, it's amazing to see that... Uh, they didn't go for that one big guy. They used their money in different ways and were able to become better together. And I like to think of that because I've always been a coach and like to think and teach people that you have a role. And when everybody understands their role is vital and you sell into your role, we become better. If everybody on the basketball team wants to be the leading scorer and the shooter, then we're not going to win many games. It's not going to work for us. Somebody has to step in and fulfill their role. One of my favorite coaches of all time would say, um, it's amazing what we can accomplish when no one cares who gets the credit. And 
That's really where we're going here in week two of our Ohana series or our series Better Together. If you remember Ohana, Ohana is that Hawaiian word for family. And we are the family of God. And so last week we talked about uh, as a family of God, when you come to know Jesus Christ, you go from stranger to being a part of Ohana, to be a part of God's family. You go from segregated out in the world to having siblings of different races, different classes, different countries, different genders. We become one family, all adopted in. You become uh, from alone to known. We looked at the book of Acts and talked about how they came together in fellowship and sharing their possessions to bless one another. We talked about the global church. We're all part of God's church, and yet God designed us to get together in local families. And then we talked about parts to one whole. And we're going to dig into that last section even more here this morning as we talk about this idea that we're the family of God called and created to do life together. Now, when you're called and created to do life together as a family, there's something different about that, isn't there? When you're a single person and you get out and you're on your own and you're living life, you've got habits and the way you live life, and then you decide, I want to get married. Well, all of a sudden you realize you've got to start making adjustments to be with that other person. And, and then you get married and you realize, well, one person had plans for the weekend, the other thought you're going to do something else. Or maybe your spouse goes out and makes a purchase and you're like, oh, I thought you would have checked with me if you were going to spend that much money. And you realize, man, I've got to make adjustments to be part of this group, this family. Well, then you have a baby and then you really got to change your priorities and adjust to one another, don't you? And as kids grow up and have siblings, you realize you're going to have to adjust to live with somebody else under the same roof. You're going to have to work together in a different way and be more flexible. And that's the way it is in the family of God. You see, every week we're going to be here and um, we're going to be talking about this and we're gonna, you're going to hear this phrase over and over and over. You are vital. You are vital. You are vital and important to the kingdom of God. Until you believe it and you live it. We're going to talk about how vital you are to God's kingdom. And if you're trying to figure out your gifts, you belong here. If you're trying to figure out your role in the kingdom of God, you belong here. Because Sunday morning is not the church. It's our gathering. It's an opportunity for you to invite people in. And so if people are looking, you're searching for Christ, then they belong here. If people are looking for community, they belong here. We want to be a place where, whether you're hopeless or hope-filled, you can belong. And God's family always has an open seat at the table. <laughs> it's not closed. And we're going to see that today. And today we're going to look at three different passages uh, from Matthew, 1 Corinthians, and Ephesians and talk about this idea of being better together and about going from part to whole. Now, you may have noticed here to my left, I've got some young men working. Uh, I commissioned them last week, and we'll figure out what they're doing later. I will acknowledge that they are here for now. Uh, the first passage is well known. You can turn there if you want, but I put it up here. It says this, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. 
And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so with that, we see that our family has marching orders. We call this the vision or the mission or the purpose of the church. You see, we all have plans in life. Uh, we have plans for finances. You may have plans for your career, plans for your schooling. We have plans for what we want to do with our home or our possessions. We are plan makers. And a lot of people go through and they, they accomplish their goal, their plan, and they realize it's kind of empty. But when we come into God's family, we move from just having plans to having a purpose. To having a purpose. We state it like this. We say we exist as an inclined church to glorify God by investing in every generation to make mature and multiply joyful followers of Jesus. That's how we state the mission of God here that we're called to. You see, the, the word church began to be formed uh, as the people of God who were initially called followers of the way. And the word there, that root word, ecclesia, means called out. The church is the people of God called out. Just as he called Israel out of the desert, Israel out of slavery, he called Abraham out. He calls us out. And that's the marching orders that he gave us to go and make disciples, but to do it together as the bride of Christ, as his people. And so all too often we feel the weight in this statement, and we can so, and especially in our Western culture, make all of that into an individual mandate go and make disciples. Now, we firmly believe that here, that every one of you has the ability and is called to be a disciple maker. But what we often forget is that we make disciples together. This is a mission we are all called to and called to do it. We cannot, we can only add a disciple on our own, but we multiply disciples. We multiply fruit when we do it together. And so the challenge is that we're valuing our individual spiritual experiences i think we have a high value of that in our culture but then we don't have a high uh, value on the input that others give to us we undervalue the power of being together in the family of god we undervalue the local church i believe whereas we love to say here's what i've learned in my bible study here's what i've done i want to post about this but often we forget it's the value that others build into us. So we are vital, and we say you're vital, but why is it true that you're vital? There has to be a why behind it. And how are you vital to others? Well, we want to help you discover that and look at that today. And so I'm going to walk through two passages, and we'll unpack them a little bit. And so uh, the first... Uh, of these passages I want to walk through here. Um, I'll put it up on the screen for you, but won't project all of them. But um, is we're going to look in 1 Corinthians and also in Ephesians chapter 4. And I'll actually start by reading from Ephesians 4. And so in Ephesians 4, this is a letter from Paul to the church in Ephesus. And he goes through and he talks about uh, we are one in the spirit, we're one body, we are one people of God. And so uh, then he says this in verse um, 10. And he who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave us 
the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to mature manhood, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow, so it builds itself up in love. So that's a pretty good picture of what God is doing for us. Now, if you turn over to probably the most well-known passage on gifts would be 1 Corinthians 12. And so um, he begins and he says this. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. I guess that's why we're doing this series. is so that you are not uninformed about what is going on. So that you are not ignorant about what God has given us. And uh, he goes on to say, um, down in verse 4, there are many varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but the same. But it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For no one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by one spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues. All these are empowered by the one and same spirit who apportions to each individually as he wills. So what are some uh, conclusions we can begin to draw? Well, we go from plans to one purpose, from individuals to a team, and then from skilled to gifted. And so we move from being individuals to our team, and that's that talking I, I shared about with about being part of a family. You have to start thinking about others, not just yourself or what you need, but you start thinking about other people and how you can bless them. You need to start realizing other people are given by God to bless me. No longer is it just about ourselves. We are part of God's team together. And so often we can say, and we often hear these things, that, well, this isn't to my liking, so, you know, I'm going to stay home because, you know, I, I just don't feel connected at church. Or people can move from church to church based on what the church provides for their family, and yet they never connect and use their gifts anywhere. And we miss out on the blessings of the Lord that he's talking about here. We miss out on what church truly is. And the key is being a part of a local team and willing to adjust and serve and, and willing to be served. And many of you know, because you've traveled or you moved to different towns, what one local body might need from you may be different from the next local body that God connects you to. And I always tell people, the most important thing is that you find a local church, whether it's incline or somewhere. If you're a believer, God has called us to do this. It's not optional way to operate. This is the way God has us 
operates. You know, and I love how Paul has given us one of perhaps the best, most timeless illustrations in the Bible, calling us not just a team, but the body of Christ. Isn't that amazing how God, in his divine inspiration, put that in there hundreds of years ago that we're the body of Christ, and, and now we understand our body is made up of different systems, and within those systems, it all works together and becomes one healthy body when each part is doing its role. And when one part isn't doing its role, we know the body gets sick. And so we look at this and it says that we have these things and, and we're called to be gifted. Each one of us is gifted. And they, they call them, we call them spiritual gifts because that's how it says it in the Bible. So these roles are given by the Holy Spirit, spiritual gifts given by the Holy Spirit himself. And, and the idea here, it comes with this gift. You may have heard the term charismatic, but the term charisma is gift. And that comes from charis, which is grace. And even as well, we see that uh, the grace is talked about and that is used in that Ephesians passage. And so it's this idea that we have um, grace. The Spirit gives us a gift by the grace of God. Gifts are given by God's grace. And so God gives the gifts graciously to us. So that means that the gift that you get isn't because you're special or, or more important than one another. It, it's because that's what God's designed you to do, and you need to accept that role and learn and grow in it. It's not based on our worthiness, just as our salvation is not. It's based on God's plans, which are bigger than our plans. And so I put from skilled to gifted because the world looks at, at skills. And skills can be developed, skills such as um, building Legos, or you may be good with your hands. Uh, you may have a career based on your skills. And skills can be used for any purpose. They can be used to serve God, or they can be used in a workplace. They're skills. They can be taught, developed, and uh, learned. Now, gifts are different. Gifts come from the Holy Spirit. They are indeed spiritual. And while both talents and spiritual gifts should be used for God's glory and to minister to one another, spiritual gifts are focused on building up one another and the glory of God for the purpose of making disciples and making Jesus known and glorified. And so uh, they come with an amazing I would say they come with an amazing power behind them. A power that is not of yourself. Because the very Holy Spirit in you is the one gifting you and giving you the strength to live it out. You see, I share all this because with talents and skills, what do we do? The more skilled you are, the more talented you are, the more we raise you up. And recognize you, right? So in baseball, apparently Bryce Harper was so talented and skilled that he got paid. I worked it out. It's about $4,500 per at-bat this season. Not bad. I'd strike out for $4,500 uh, every time, probably. But um, it, yeah, it amazes me that in our culture, that's what gets paid that much. And yet a teacher's like, you know, $40 a day now. <laughs> But it's $40,000, quite a bit different what we value, isn't it? But God's kingdom isn't like that. Just like that spy uh, in our history and in that novel, whoever 
um, who never got celebrated, each of us is key to advancing the kingdom of God. And so in 1 Corinthians, uh, looking back here, we can see Paul then adds to what he teaches. And uh, he goes on to say this. And he begins really in verse 12. He says, just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body, though they are many, are one. So it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. All were made to drink of one spirit. So it's talking about unity there. But then he says this, and I think this is just spot on. He understands the way families work. He understands the way human nature works. Because immediately when you say you have a gift, you have a role, what do we do? We start comparing ourselves to one another. We start valuing one gift or one skill higher than others. It's part of our sin nature, part of the thing we struggle with. And he knows that. So what does he say? So he says, the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of a body. If you're to say, I don't really want to belong to a church, it doesn't make you any less part of the church. In fact, as we'll see, it impacts the church. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it were, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor can nor again can the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greatest honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer. If one is honored, all rejoice together. Is that how we live it out? And, and just think about that. I'm not a great scientist or a doctor, but I just get blown away at reading about these different systems in the body and how one part removes the wrong blood cells for an infection, another part functions. And I think everything's essential, I guess, except for they tell me the appendix, but there are no appendixes in the body of Christ. How's that? Don't quote me on that. I don't know if that's medically correct, but I've heard that. Um, but really, there are, there are no unimportant parts. And the deeper we dig, the more we find how vital it is. And I can remember the, even of Charles Spurgeon, the, the great preacher uh, from England, was empowered because in the basement, while he was preaching every week, there was a group that would go down there on their knees, face down, and just implore to God that they would use those words to impact the world. And they still are today. Yet, I haven't found a ton of listing of names of those people. I'm sure they're being honored in heaven. God knows. God sees the different roles within the team. And you see, and unlike in sports or in games, we have no option to sit on the bench. Everybody's in the game, 
Now, whether you're going to participate in the game and function with the team, that's the real question. But choosing to get out of the game is not really an option. That you can't just remove yourself from the body of Christ. You are a part of the body of Christ. Everyone is vital. Everyone has a role to play. And so when we think of gifts, um, I just wanted to walk through. We're not going to teach on all of these, but I want to show you the grouping of gifts that we see in Scripture. I believe the gifts aren't all inclusive in there. But what are the gifts? These gifts that were given, what do they look like? Well, if we look at these, we see here that we have these miraculous gifts, apostles, tongues, interpretation, miracles, healings. Then go to what I would call enabling gifts, faith, discernment, wisdom, knowledge. And we have these huge group of team gifts, evangelism, prophecy, uh, being uh, not predicting the future, but fearlessly proclaiming God's truth. Teaching, making clear the word of God with accuracy, exhortation. And so these gifts are given by God as we build one another up. We go on to see shepherding type of gifts. And these are categories, serving types of gifts, mercy showing gifts, giving gifts, administrative gifts. Man, do I ever need those people in my life. As we look at those, we begin to see that is how God indeed shapes us. From skilled to gifted. Everyone is vital. Everyone's got a different role to play and different mix of gifts that God has given you in his family. And so as we, we look at these, we say, okay, we have gifts. And, and we have there on your chairs, if you'd like. I, I would love to know if anybody would like. We can provide. I've got a class we can do. We can look at gifts, help you discover your gifts, walk through that with you individually or in a group, in a class. We would love to do that. Just fill that out as a family or a couple or as an individual. And we'd love to help you identify uh, what gifts are, what, where you might be gifted, and uh, help you talk through that and look at that. Because it's important that we understand our gifts and use those. And so we see that we're gifted differently, and each gift has a unique and an important role to play but all gifts are designed, as it says in Ephesians, for the building up of one another. To bring us together, it says there in Ephesians chapter 4. To knit us together. To help us to avoid false teaching and, and false pictures of God. We need to be in community to do that. Using our gifts, protecting one another from being led astray by all that is thrown at us on the internet and elsewhere. We need other people to balance us out. And it's also those other people that as you begin to serve and they get to know you, they may look at you and say, did you know you're an encourager? And you're like, what? You just have a way of lifting my spirits when I'm around you. And you, they'll begin to identify gifts you didn't know you had, but there's a, you're building me up. And you'll be like, oh, really? I didn't realize I was doing that. Well, that's the spirit at work in you when you're following Christ and obeying him. And so as we look at this, we go from being built up by others to being builders. We are builders. We build into one another. You are to be building into other people in the body of Christ. And others are to be building you up. And the way that we say this in our core values is equipping and unleashing disciple makers. That's straight out of 
uh, Ephesians 4 there, equipping, building up one another. We want to be a place, and this is key if you want to understand or explain to somebody what incline is all about, why we got started. Is I don't believe in just starting a bunch of programs and, and having roles that you guys need to fill to accomplish the program. <laughs> what I believe is that we actually have gifts and skills that are unique from God, and we want to equip you to use those to understand how to use them biblically and then unleash you to do it. Because it's not just Sunday morning where your gifts come to play, is it? Gifts come Monday through Saturday as well. And as we get into smaller communities or Bible studies or just interact with one another during the week. Some of your gifts will be here on Sunday morning. Some will be up here. Some are, are in the background. And others, your gifts will be taking place as you walk throughout life during the week. We want to unleash disciple makers. And when we do that, we believe that's when we are most effective, allowing you to go out and be a disciple maker wherever God has placed you. And that's what our base camp is all about. It's about helping you see that the way God has equipped you to make disciples is not the same as the way God has equipped her or him. It looks differently. The core is the same of following Christ. But how we accomplish that and pour into others in in our lives is different and our gifts are different and they're used differently there's another layer to this that i love and that is that when we come together sometimes you may be ministering to somebody and they may ask you a question you mean they'll be like i don't know how to explain suffering in god i don't know how to explain that old testament passage but when you're in the body of christ you don't have to feel the pressure that when i'm a disciple maker i have to answer every question no you can come here on a Sunday and say, hey, I'm working with somebody and I don't know the answer to that. And I can tell you we're blessed. We probably have about five to seven people who could help walk you through that. Or you might say, you'd be a, a connector and connect somebody with those questions to somebody who's good at answering them and you might be the facilitator that gets everybody together for lunch. You may not be the hospitable person, but you know who is. And so you can connect people and in, introduce them to people and then they get encouraged. Even this morning, I was talking with somebody. I was like, I know somebody with these gifts that match your gifts, and I think if you got together, you'd encourage one another. And that's the beauty of being a part of the body of Christ. Don't feel all the weight on yourself. He's given you other people in this room, both for you to grow and for you to help others to grow, and for you to be a parent. We've got people who've been through it, and they're here and alive, and then we've got people who are struggling in the midst of parenting. And we wonder if we're even going to make it through a snow day because the kids are driving me up the wall. But um, that's another just uh, answer to prayer I need. No. But, so you're, you're vital for this vision, though. I don't want you to miss that, how vital you are. And one of the many reasons I think that we call ourselves an inviting church is because it's not merely to grow in numbers, but we want you to say, come sit next to me, come join me, because it is in community that we can better connect and reach people for Christ. So we have an individual responsibility, but we also have a community. And that's why I believe the kingdom of God is the best community the world could ever join or want to be a part of when we're functioning in the right way. And so I have a friend uh, who wrote a book, um, Alan Briggs. He's a, a pastor and author and church planter and coach. And he wrote a book called Everyone's a Genius. And he said, you know what? Uh, 
we like to say that people are geniuses, but back in the ancient cultures, they would say, I have a genius. I mean, so that's really the best way for us to say it, because in the body of Christ, it's not about ourselves, but we have a genius who thought up the spiritual gifts. We have the creator of the world who is empowering us to serve one another. So in that sense, we are all geniuses because when we serve and use the Lord's gifts, he, he multiplies them beyond our own individual talents. He can take, as Paul says, the weakest part of us and give it great honor and glory and change lives through the most unassuming people and unassuming gifts that we often don't celebrate. They can change entire lives. But see, the question is, do we desire all the content of a church but none of the commitment to one another? Because as we look at this, there's something underlying this. If all of this is true, there's an expectation placed on us. Ugh, we don't like that, right? A commitment to one another. When we serve one another, do we want all the beauty of the church but not the mess? Do we want the feeling of community but no connection that impinges on our rights, our schedule, or our preferences? You see, we need to move from being consumers to being conduits. And I say conduits because we're conduits of grace. It passes through us to others and is connected within us as a community. Grace flows through us. And I like the uh, great JFK quotes because it applies to the church, right? He says, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Ask not what your church can do for you, but what you can do for others in your church family. He would say every accomplishment starts with the decision to try. That's where it starts. You want to find your gifts? Try serving. I want it to be a place where, this is a place where it's, you have the freedom to fail. That's one of my core values for staff, for volunteers, for leaders. God's leading you to do that. It's within our vision. Go ahead and try it. It may not work. We've tried lots of things that have not turned out the way we wanted, but we want to have that freedom to try. And that's how you discover your gifts. You try serving in an area and see if it brings you joy and if there's fruit produced. Often that's the pathway to finding where God wants to use you within a body. Now, as we, we do this, uh, the President JFK said this. He says, as we express our gratitude, we must never forget that the highest form of a appreciation is not merely to utter words but also to live by them so we don't just want to talk a good game we want to actually live it out and if we believe that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son to die then everything we do is not by duty but by devotion and there's a lot of things I could unpack and say this morning about spiritual gifts and I'd add just two quick side points that I always like to say and, and to add in. And it just follows logic, right? If you are gifted by Christ, and I believe that gifts begin to come the moment you come to Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. Now, gifts begin to reveal themselves in different seasons and maturity. And so the first principle is that there are seasons of life. And in different seasons, different gifts of yours may be more at the front more used by God. In other seasons, they may, God may bring out different gifts. You don't come to Christ and then get thrown into eldership or leadership or, or preaching right away. 
Sometimes it's a matter of being obedient in the gifts God's given you. And as you go throughout time being obedient and following God's word, he reveals more gifts to you. Or you, maybe you're on a trip or put in a certain church and God pulls out gifts for a time. And if you're in a church plant, then you're going to be finding you're probably serving in areas that aren't your giftedness because you see the body needs it. And you just pray God brings somebody to fill that role that loves it. And I appreciate that about this church. You guys serve. And if there's a need, you step in. It may not be your gift. It may not be the thing that brings you the most joy, but you do it to build others up, and God sees that and honors that in you. The other thing that I want us to take note of is that as far as I can tell, if a young person comes to Christ, then they have something to offer to the body of Christ. Right? And I bet you that if I were to talk, and I have with our incline kids teachers, they could tell you, this kid has a perception of the scriptures. that They bring out insights. It's amazing. Or this, when this child is here, they are always encouraging other children. That's spiritual gifts in action. They're beginning to see that, and we want to encourage that. We have that going on behind me a little bit this morning, too, don't we? As God's using their gifts. And that's what well, you'll see, and you probably have noticed, that we don't differentiate. If we see uh, one of our young, growing adults with a gift or a desire to serve, we plug them in. We give them a protection and wisdom around them. Don't overextend them. But we want you to realize everyone, every generation, that's why it says it in our mission statement, is valuable to God. And so uh, as we look at this this morning, there's power in the family of God when we choose to do life together. That's our phrase. And so these gentlemen here were asked to do a task. Now, as typical with me, many of you will just nod your heads at this. I come up with ideas, and I don't tell you how to do them. You're like, well, what exactly do you want? I don't know. I just said, I think Legos fit in perfectly with this message. And I've always wanted to use Legos, but let's get a little more creative. Do you guys want to build Legos while I'm talking? And see, um, the general idea was that Legos here, we have all these different size and shapes of Legos, right? And some people are a four-hole Lego. Some people don't have as much bandwidth, and they serve in two areas, have two gifts they use really well. Then there's these unique pieces that are used in specific and unique little ways. Now, I did not prompt them. I feel like a magician. I never prompted them on what they are about to unveil. But so... I don't know. They texted this week. I'm going to let Caden share here on what they've come up with and why they did this. They took all of this pile of parts here, and now it's a whole. From individuals to a whole, working together using their skills to glorify God. So, Mr. Caden, uh, what have you come up with here? Alrighty, so we worked together and we built a church building. The bottom is the bottom two layers are pure white to represent like how Christ is pure and He is the foundation of the church, and then the uh, roof and the rest of the walls, as suggested by Jonathan, are rainbow bricks because like the church is built by all people from all walks of life. Then we just added in some other deep uh, details like the steeple with the using the sword as the cross. We Tyler built rock way and flowers, and we have a little like man at the kitchen too. Plus like. You've seen the Lego movie? That's what we call master builders. They can just take it from anything and make something. But I, I didn't prompt them with that, and yet that's why I love how the Holy Spirit works, because 
just that picture of the different colors and style of bricks coming together all on the foundation of Christ. What a beautiful picture that is for us of what God can do in and through us as we work together. So thank you all for adjusting and doing that. And, and if you could teach Ezra and Abby to build Legos that quietly, that would be awesome. The only thing about Legos is if you step on them at night, then you want to meet Jesus sooner. Or, yeah. But let's pray, shall we? Uh, Heavenly Father, I just thank you that you gave us this family to be a part of and that you designed each of us differently and that's a good thing because we have a way we contribute to one another. And Lord, each of us is different and we need your Holy Spirit to guide us into how we're to best build into others. And I know at different seasons that can be hard or look differently or be frustrating and yet we want to be obedient to you. We want to live this out and discover our gifts. And so, Lord, would you please guide us in that. Help us to be a church that encourages. And if we see somebody that's building us up or they did something that ministers to us, remind us, Lord, to share it and to say, you know, when you did that, it really encouraged me. You built me up. Thank you for being a part of this family. And, Lord, I know that even Kara this morning wanted us to hear that, that we're just building her up and when she can't be here she's so humbled by the servants and cooks and, and I'm humbled by the fact I can just say hey we have a lunch at the school and people use their gifts and come together and serve or we need to set up or Lord we need prayer or we need teachers or we need young men willing to just go up and use their skill for Legos but do it in a way that points all of us back to the foundation of Jesus Christ Lord, we thank you for the gift of one another, and that's what we celebrate this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, please stand. As